we tell stories that engage, inspire, and have a lasting impact? How do we turn thoughts and ideas into effective and authentic storytelling? How can we use stories to make a difference in our work, lives, and communities? I'm your host, Camille DePutter, and together we'll explore what it means to tell stories with heart. Welcome to the Storytelling with Heart podcast. I'm Camille DePutter, and with me today is Janet Olmstead. Janet is an author, speaker, personal trainer, elite behavior change health coach, and play expert. With over 20 years of experience in the health and wellness industry, Janet's strength lies in working with individual and corporate clients to make sustainable progress toward optimal health while having fun. She's on a mission to end the inactivity crisis by inspiring the world to play for better health. Janet knows there is no one-size-fits-all approach to health. Using her play method, which we'll likely get into in this conversation, she coaches busy people who want long-term sustainable solutions with their movement, nutrition, and managing stress. She keeps you on track and inspired even when the going gets tough for results that last a lifetime. Janet's also a friend of mine and an expert I've interviewed on multiple occasions when developing content for my clients in the fitness industry, and I always feel inspired by her infectious energy. I'm delighted to have her here today. Welcome, Janet. Thank you so much, Camille. I'm so happy to be here, and I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Yay. So good to have you, and we always have great conversations, so I'm excited to bring a bit of that to our listeners today. Awesome. So why don't we jump in by talking about this thing that you love that is like could be, you know, tattooed on your forehead for how much you love it, which is this topic of play. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to be a play expert? I actually have play tattooed on my wrist. Right on your wrist. Uh (laughs) Not quite as extreme as the forehead, but it is tattooed on your body. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, that's a great question. And I'd I'd start by saying that play actually means two things to me. Uh, First, it's the act of playing. I reframed exercise as play because I don't think we need to lose the joy in life as we age. And it's available to all of us. And play is our ability to keep showing up and having fun. And I think that uh, after working in the, in the industry I've been in, in health and wellness, there, you know, over the years, I recognized that something important was missing in all the messaging about getting fit and getting in shape. And I think, you know, play uh, is a way to reframe exercise in a way that really does make it available to everybody. And who says it can't be fun, right? right. Um there, who says? And second, second of all, play is P L A Y, which means please look after yourself. Mm-hmm. Which I coined this term to represent play as the ultimate form of self care. My unique approach and how I coach people through my play, please look after yourself method, as you mentioned, with movement, nutrition, managing stress. But, you know, it ultimately play is inviting and it's simple and it's fun and it's a choice. It's a true mindset because I don't think you have to, we have to play, we get to play and, and how you play is up to you and what it looks like can completely fit within your lifestyle, your abilities, 
your wants, your needs. It can match, match the vision of what you're, you know, looking ahead to your life in the future. And um, I think it's great opportunity to invite people to move more and sit less, which is ultimately the inactivity crisis piece, which you mentioned off the mm-hmm. top, um, by adding play breaks into their day. So anyway, play, playing is my my personal thinking time and it helps my creative process and helps me show up to be a better version of me and ultimately how I can help other people. Maybe we can kind of go back to the beginning. Like I'm interested in your story. How did you start to care about play and get into this in the first place? Well, actually you and I have a lot in common. I don't know if you know this piece about me, um, just like you love to help people tell their own story. I started my career in TV, in uh, broadcast television. I worked on the Olympics for CTV Sports for eight years, um, two Olympic Games, a winter and a summer. And in that job, I was an Olympic researcher and an associate producer. And part of that job was interviewing athletes and writing their biographies which um, was pre-internet, right? So we we wrote them all and we printed them all and we delivered these binders to the on-air guys. And they were like, what the? It's like, well, here's the stories, you know, um, because they didn't have time to interview them all, right? And so when they were coming into the studio, they needed to know a little bit about like, if they were in, if I was interviewing you, Camille, I'd be like, so um, why do you wear that necklace? Or what's your pregame ritual? Or those type of things. They're much more available now, but it was very interesting to learn their stories. and. and I've, I've always been interested in human behavior, the mindset, what, you know, ultimately, though, led me to be a play, play expert. And again, play is a, my definition of movement and exercise was um, um, near death experience is near death experiences, which, um, you know, doesn't everybody have those? I don't know. But for me. Um, my first was the one that really led me to listen to my body and take care of myself. Uh, I was 24 years old. I was actually between the two Olympic games. It was six weeks before I got married. My body had been, I've been kind of working hyperspeed, right? I was getting ready for a wedding and I had suffered in the past from ovarian, um, cysts and, you know, I had dealt with them. Um, nothing had been a medical emergency per se, but I had been suffering, um, for years and I had done what I could, but I didn't know what I know now, what I could have known now, what I knew then. And, um, I was away at a bachelorette party, my own bachelorette party. And I started feeling really sick, um, more sick than I'd ever felt. And, um, two of my friends recognized I was struggling and drove me to, uh, Uxbridge Cottage Hospital. It's a very small hospital, two hours North of Toronto. Again, no cell phones. This is 1991. And um, they drove me there and the doctor basically said, well, you have two choices. We don't have a um, technician to find out if this is appendix because the pain was very similar or if this is actually more. And so they decided to help drive me down to Toronto to go to Emerge, which luckily they did because I was actually bleeding internally, internally because my torsion had wrapped around my ovary and I was bleeding internally. And so if I'd gone back to my bachelorette, I would never have walked down the aisle. And I remember being wheeled into the, into the um, operating room and the doctor looked down at me and he said, we'll really try and save your ovaries, but your life matters more. And 
you know, I was just about to get married. So I was like, okay, I need those, right? Like things are really important. <laughs> um, so I want kids. So when I woke up, um, they said we were able to save your ovary, but you, you actually need a blood transfusion. So you can either have blood or you can work back your own iron and, you know, your own system. And I chose to work my own system and I mm-hmm. chose to start listening to my body. And that was the beginning really of me understanding you know, we you talked um, about to another expert about somatics. I call it like the, the 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 body talking to you, and it really did talk to me. And I swore right there I would never, ever take my health for granted. I was very lucky. And um, then two other subsequent um, near death experiences really uh, solidified that life is short. Um, that you have no idea what's coming next. And you are more in the driver's seat than you think when you get to make the choices you do during the day. And um, why not live life um, with the gratitude of its fragility and the respect that your body is an incredible machine, incredible. It wants to work for you, you know, and um, we're so lucky that we're here in this time and space. And I'm just so privileged that I, I get to share the idea that, you know, let's make it fun and let's care about what we're doing to ourselves and ultimately how we're showing up as the best version of ourselves. Yeah. Why do you think we as, as adults need to be reminded of this or granted permission of it in the first place, because it's such a natural thing, right? Like that's how kids learn. It's, it's what we immediately do. It's how we, it's, it's, it's so embedded in our DNA. And then, and then we grow up and play starts to feel like a luxury or something that we're, we're sort of disconnected from what, what are your thoughts on yeah, that? It, yeah, it gets moved to the bottom of the to-do list, right? There's other mm-hmm. things that um, get When you do away. it for someone else, with my kids, with the dog, but you don't go, hey, Cam needs to play now. Like she needs to be goofy and dumb <laughs> and move around and dance and, or whatever it is that I my natural impulses might be. What I tell my, my clients when they're struggling with this, to your point about, you know, what it, what it, bringing a more playful mindset is what did you like to do as a kid? Start there. Right. And, um, remember how you used to play, what brought you joy? And there's no rules. This is the thing about play. There's no rules. There's only tools here to help guide you. Now, because I'm a personal trainer, of course, I have the guidelines of the fit formula and all the the pieces that go together to actually, you know, make progressions through play. Mm -hmm. But what if a progression is just getting to the stop sign and back? What's wrong with that? Yeah. And in your, in your book, remind me what your book is called. The playbook, how to get in the habit of good health. And in fact, I just re-released it. (gasps) Oh, sweet. Uh Yes. It's uh, about to come out on audio. I wanted to reach a bigger audience and, um, we actually had a conversation about me doing this at the beginning of 2022 and um, I put a new forward um, that includes the information about 
physical inactivity prior to the pandemic mm. and basically how the unhealthiness of the world was shot into the global spotlight because a lot of people didn't realize they had um, underlying health conditions until COVID showed up and there wasn't a way to prevent that. But if you had a, a habit of play in place or exercise in place prior to the pandemic, your outcome was for the most part, much um, more positive than those that didn't realize they had underlying health conditions, hadn't been in the habit of play and became hospitalized and or died. Play is a habit for everybody. I, I don't believe it had to be that way. And so, Jan, I'd like to kind of expand this out because obviously for you, the, you know, play is really connected to movement, but it also gave you, you know, you, you referred back to this life-changing experience that really made you feel that life is short and to not just take care of your body, but to appreciate life and maybe just bring that, that playfulness into, into your life and to chase joy and to find that, you know, that fun and that, and that connection with people and so on. How do you bring a more playful mindset to your work and your life and the challenges that come up? Like what, what does this look like aside from fitness? How does it flow through the rest of your life? That's a really good question. Um, I think when you come from a place of gratitude, <laughs> being happy to be alive and, and understanding that um, when push comes to shove, I mean, we're all going to die. Like it's, we're all going to die. And there are ways that we can use our time um, to help people the most. And while helping other people help ourselves and putting things in place, like I, in the rest of my life, um, I have a morning practice that I put in place um, that has actually really helped me through the pandemic and beyond because in the last year, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. And having that practice in place really helped me continue to find the positive. Um, mm. It includes meditation and I journal. Um, I love to write, Cam. <laughs> and um, um, some, you know, uh, affirmations. It's just this little routine I put in place um, that's really helped me continue to show up um, wholeheartedly in my days because mm -hmm. undoubtedly, highs and lows in life and hard times and good times. Um, and, you know, eyes wide open, they're going to happen to each of us. You know, mm -hmm. no one gets out of here alive, first of all, and no one gets out of here without being challenged. Um, but the lighter the mindset around what's possible versus what's not possible and showing up every day with a little bit of magic and wonder. And I think that's what, where the play comes into continuing to inspire me. It's like, it just continues to fuel my ability to see the good and feel my best and shift things when they're hard into more of a space that know that um, tomorrow's a new day. And yeah. Yeah. I'm, like I'm, I'm not done yet. That's for sure. 
(laughs) (laughs) Like it's not, it's not about just hoping to avoid the bad things or ignoring them. Um, and I think you said to me once something like, look, there's always going to be the boogeyman. Like there's always going to be, uh, bad things that happen individually at a global level, you know, but what can we do? We can take care of ourselves and our, and each other. We can do what we can to support our own health and to enjoy our lives. And, you know, that's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. It is a lot. And we're, we're all trying our best, right? Um, and, you know, if someone's listening to this that hasn't been able to make a change or find some more play in their day, um, there are little ways that you can just bring, a, insert a little joy without a lot of effort. Like I said, dancing or um, taking deep breaths or they don't have to be these big overwhelming things. Just add, start where you are and use what you have and do a little bit today and a little bit tomorrow. And I remember journaling, I used to write like one line. I'd be like, okay, I'll write one line. And now I've written one page because I've taken pleasure in that practice. Mm-hmm. And it is a practice, you know, um, having a playful mindset or eating a better meal or getting to bed an hour early. Those things are practices that are possible if you're aware of them and they fit your vision of what health is for you. And they don't have to be this big thing. You just continue to practice. Like mm-hmm. nobody became a concert pianist by just showing up and playing the piano, right? These are things <laughs> you have to practice every day. Right. And, yeah. And then they become a habit, right? And then you can't imagine your life without them. Just like my practice in the mornings. Like I just absolutely love that time for me. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. It's a gift. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. I, also wanted to ask you on uh, this is kind of a slightly different topic but your you know you've you've made yourself uh, a thought leader and an expert in this particular area you've said look there's a million health coaches out there i am not just a health coach i am a play expert you wrote a book about play you have positioned yourself branded yourself as this play expert um, you picked this thing that means a lot to you and built your business around it. How did you become known for the thing that you wanted to be known for? Well, I thought everybody liked to play. I I, I didn't think it was unique to me. I, I, I The more I talked about it, the more I recognized that my value to the world was is unique. I didn't set out saying... I'm like, I'm going to be a doctor, right? I'm going to be a play expert. Like what the hell's a play expert? I really, <laughs> yeah. I combined everything over the years that have made sense to me. And I get to put them out to the universe in a way that speaks to people. I mean, after I released my book, I had no idea that there's this whole play world out there. I, I honestly thought I was all by myself. I'm okay to play alone. It's all right. No. I, <laughs> what do you no, mean I, when you say the whole a whole play world out there? What what did you oh, discover? Oh, it was really fascinating, you know. Um I show uh, one of the because when I wrote my book, my intention was to go speak about it and then the pandemic happened. So then okay. I started 
um, connecting with people, like-minded people on LinkedIn, for example. And, you know, there's the U.S. Play Coalition and there's people in policy for play in Canada. And there's like a whole movement in Europe about play. There's, um, it's fascinating, you know, and, and it was so, it's like, oh, I found my people. Mm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of um, play in the workplace now. Um, I have a friend here that she leads a whole company that does stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. bringing play to the workforce as team building and um, learning about, you know, the leadership, leveling the playing field, for lack of a better word, right? Um, yeah, it, it was really uh, a pleasant surprise to position myself. Yes, you're right. There's lots of health coaches. And I, I as you can tell, I'm genuinely so passionate about the idea of play being such a simple solution. And it has been reaffirming over the, especially the last couple of years, finding those like-minded people and really building a community. Um, Mm. And really, you know, um, it's, it's not easy finding your place in the crowd of health coaching. You know, it's a big field. Uh, health and wellness. It's a huge field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really admire people that do lots of different things, but place play comes from my heart and it comes from the place where it helps me show up professionally and personally. Um, and I could, as you can tell, I could talk about it all day. <laughs> I, I just think it's, it's, well, it's an, an amazing, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing gift. When did you settle on that single simple word play? I mean, I'm asking you this because as when I talk to people who are trying to kind of figure out how they brand themselves, what, what it means to have a personal brand and how to define it. And a lot of people struggle to put language around it and in my opinion, it's often they're overcomplicating it or they're looking at it from the perspective of what does my website say? What's mm-hmm. the or even what's the elevator pitch or what's on the the business card or or LinkedIn? And they're thinking about longer pieces of written copy than the kind of essence of who they are and what they do or what and what they're all about, which is more really what we mean when we talk about branding, right? And yeah. so it can be a journey to kind of figure that out and simplify it. You know, for me when I went out on my own as a freelancer, it it happened in part because I I mean I'd been in communications my whole career in many different avenues from um marketing and advertising and copywriting and journalism and digital marketing and public relations and all this stuff and I was about to apply for another job and I looked at my whole history and thought back to, to your point earlier, who I was as a kid, what did I love to do as a kid? And I was always telling stories and, you know, writing and making my own books and, you know, just obsessed with storytelling. And I looked at the whole thing and I'm like, I'm a storyteller. And when I went out on my own, I was like, okay, I'm a professional storyteller. What does it mean? Okay, well, you know, I can unpack that. And it's taken me a while to continue to really define that and articulate it and find my audience. But I had 
a single kind of vague, almost word that a lot of people resonate with for different reasons. And it's given me a, a way that I can have focus without being shoehorned into something too tight, you know? And I, so I'm, I'm curious because in a way you seem to have a similar thing. It's like, this is play. And you can express that in different forms and you can write books and you can speak and you could coach and you can offer corporate workshops and you can offer as a business so many different things, but you kind of know what is at the heart of it all. And so I guess I'm just curious as to when you figured that out and how it came to you. Wow. Um, So much of what you said is very similar to my journey and, you know, really looking at what is my unique ability. What is it, you know, and how can we keep it simple and keeping it simple has always really mattered to me, you know, cause when mm. I, when I was writing, um, the athlete bios, for example, keeping those simple so that they, they pick the, the broadcasters were able to pick out the most important facts first, like really let the most important things bubble to the surface. And it's a process keeping things simple takes time. Mm. And, and it, you know, I can't say outside of one aha moment, like I've just always used play as something I do. It's not, it's who it's the fabric of who I am, just like you're a storyteller. Um, and sometimes when you're in the muck, it's very hard to kind of bubble above the surface and get the bird's eye view and say, Oh, that's it. Right. Right. Um, like health coaches is, is, uh, is a very broad term and it is hard to kind of pick out of that, what it is, that is your unique ability. Um, but I, I would think actually there was a moment now that I think about it. Um, I, because I really have always spoken about play as something, no matter what age you are. And I was a camp counselor and one of my best friends from camp, she and I were for lunch, like, I don't know, 25 years ago. And she actually brought up, she planted the seed. As a matter of fact, we were sitting across from each other and she said, I I was saying how much, you know, play matters and, and how fun it is. And we used to play a lot of camp and she goes, Jan, you should totally write a book about play. (laughs) It's like, what? And this was like, before I became a, well, I was a personal trainer, but before Uh I know what I know Uh and, and that planted the seed. And initially I was going to write a book called 365 ways to play like one way to play every day. And in fact, in my book, I write 150 ways to play because you need 115 minutes of movement a week. But that being said, um, while, while positioning myself in the market and getting clear on my value proposition, um, keeping it simple mattered and play just seemed to speak, like you said, to a million different ways uh, whether it's corporate, whether it's coaching, whether it's speaking to an audience, everybody understands the word mm-hmm. um, and getting clearer, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what it means to me and my unique approach has has definitely taken time and I'm getting clearer all the time. Um, right. Yeah, I'm getting clearer all the time. Right. Yeah. And I'm glad that you added that because it's, um, it, you know, 
that that's the other reality of it as well is that it's going to evolve the language Always. we use is going to evolve yes. our understanding of who we are and like you say our value proposition and and one's own brand is going to evolve and and it should evolve because also who wants to be stuck in one single thing forever totally. to be defined yeah. by one line of of copy unchanging for the rest of your life to not have room to grow when i talk to people about this idea of branding and what you're going to stand for. Um, my, my view on it is to have something that is, is specific and simple enough, but also flexible enough for you to feel like you're not going to be stuck with something that you outgrow very, very quickly or, are, you know, wind up feeling like you're stuffed into a shoebox for your, your whole life and work. Yeah. And that evolution piece, Cam, is so true. Um, when I started in in this industry is not where I am now at all. Um, and I, I think you're only doing a disservice to yourself if you feel that you have to pigeonhole yourself because um, you change and the world changes and, you know, change your environment. And no matter where you live, you have a different perspective and but the fundamentals of how you're showing up and how you're helping and the root of everything um for most of us has been there for a very long time uh, and a lot of right. people pick careers that don't ever speak to those things and then they always feel stuck um i just i just can't believe i'm lucky enough to get to play for a living like that's just amazing <laughs> but it's taken a long time it's definitely taken a long time yeah yeah i mean i feel similarly with my with my work you know tell people well i help people i'm a, I'm a storyteller i help people tell a, their stories for a living. And I'm still like, that's so cool. Isn't that so cool that I get to do I know, it's so cool. You have a really, you do have I a just really made cool it job. up for myself, but here it is. <laughs> that's like me. I made up a play expert and here I am. It's yeah. working for me. Yeah. So far. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. It's awesome. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up shortly, but I just want to ask one more thing too on that note. So you wrote a book and it sounds like one of the cool things coming out of that book was it helped you tap into more, uh, more people, find your people, find your, you know, a, a broader community and so on. Um, and this is a, a self-published book. How, what, what has it done for you? How, um, wh what did you get out of writing a book? I think it, it, to me, it was uh, getting it out of my head and onto paper and into a form that was, understandable um that really really resonated with people and that helped people that i mean i wrote the book you know everyone's like oh i want to write a book to be a bestseller that was not my intention at all my intention was to get it out of my head into paper and into people's hands so i could help people because mm -hmm. you know not everybody's going to come to me for coaching but they can read my book and actually walk away with their own guided plan you know i'm a coach i'm not a <laughs> I am not here. I'm not a dictator to tell you what to do. I'm here to help people find out what works for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So writing it um, was very, it was a very, very intentional and cathartic process. It took longer than I thought. I really thought I, I, I have had a, um, I have a little idiosyncrasy that I, I like things happening fast. 
<laughs> and this thing tested my patience. Um, it took, it always it took, does, Jan. It always yeah, I was surprised. I was so surprised. It's like, I could write this in six months. It'll be on the shelf. Well, no, that's not how it happened. And in fact, I'm so, it taught me a lot about the process and patience and getting it right and putting mm. something out to the world that I'm really proud of. Like, I'm really proud. And when I went back to, you know, reissue it for Audible, for audio, um, I, I, you know, my editor, I, I did work with an editor, a producer who helped me, you know, get, keep my thoughts and really speak, use my voice. That was really hard to like talk in my voice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one friend's one friend read it and she goes, Oh my God, Jane, I was like, you were right there talking to me. I go, yay, I did that. Like, yeah. that was hard. That was a real challenge. Um, but having it out and re-releasing it and re- having to reread it. Um, you know, when you write something, you think you've read it all, but sometimes it just becomes very saturated, right? Mm-hmm. But taking, getting a fresh eyes on it again was really rewarding because it's still, everything I say in it still stands very, very true. Yeah. Um, and what a total gift that is um, to my peace of mind. And, I, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. It was like after we had our car accident in my third brush with death, when we got to live, I was like, okay, this is a turning point in your life. What would you change? Like, is there something, you know, cause a lot of people have these near death experiences and they're like, oh my God, they become totally different people. And it just solidified to me that everything I had in my life was phenomenal. And if I had died today, I could leave the world thinking like this, I've had mm. a great life, uh-huh. you know? And, and I, I keep that in the back of my mind all the time and having released really tying this into my book you know, if I die tomorrow, I'm still very proud of what I've written and what I've put out to the world. And I only help, I can, I hope I can continue to help more and more and more people because I, you know, I keep it simple. I think my message is simple. I have a lot of work to do and I get to still be here and I am yeah. so grateful. Yeah. I love that. And that is a big, that, that's a big part of why I do what I, I do as well, because I want people to have that experience. I want them to feel like, Hey, you know, if I were to be hit by a bus tomorrow, the things that make me, me, that stuff that lives within me that I really want to express that I really want to get out into the world. I've done that, that it's out there and that I can yeah. be proud of it and that yeah. I can be proud that, you know, I, I wrote a book or whatever that manifestation of that idea is that that is out there and that is part of my body of work. It's part of the contribution that I've made and that I've hopefully helped people with it through the process of sharing that. And because I think so many of us, we have these ideas, right? We, ha- we think I will get to this one day. It would be nice to write a book or, you know, we have this idea or a story, um, or a piece of knowledge or whatever it is that lives within us that we really want to get out to the world, but we kind of keep pushing it back later, later. And I want people to feel like, no, I, I did that. I got, I got that out there into the world. I got it done. And also to feel that sense of pride and satisfaction with it. And to feel like you said, when you look at it and you're like, this is me, this is what I believe. This is true to myself. And and it's, and it's out there. So there's, you know, and I, and I took that approach with myself as well. Um, like when I put out um, with 
both of my books so far and with little poems for big hearts in particular. Um, I just felt like I really want to make sure this gets out, gets out there before <laughs> I get it by bus or whatever, you know, like I don't want that to not happen. Live, live outside of you. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, because we all, I, I think what you say is so important about people who think about it and think about it and don't take action. And you know, you, by not taking action, you don't know what you're missing and taking action can be scary, right? You're putting something out to the world and, you know, you have to kind of put your pride on the side and put it out there Mm -hmm. and see. And if it, if it connects, I mean, look at the phenomenal work you're, you're doing like phenomenal work that really resonates with people. And if play really resonates with people, I'm so happy right? I I can't serve all the people. That's just like ludicrous. I'm not that egotistical at all. But if the right person hears the message and I can help that person, then I've really done my job without even trying. It looks effortless, but it's been years of getting to this point, years and years and years. And I can't wait to see, because I get to still be here, what the future holds. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that that's beautiful and I I really want that for for people as well to feel that that is something that they can do as well that this is also the same way I think in a way that you talk about movement and play being available for people I feel the same way about storytelling that you can do it that you can express what is inside you and and contribute to that. And I, I I mean, people as well of of all experiences, you know, a lot of my clients have major accomplishments under their belt. They've built brands and gotten medals and achievements, but there's also something, something more just in their individual humanness, their point of view that they haven't really been able to experience freely yet, that there's more to them that isn't about the achievements or the accolades. It's about who they are and how they see the world. And I, I just want to, to help people get that out there. And similar to movement, I think writing for so many folks is seen as something that is arduous, difficult, they're not good at or not good enough at that it's this kind of suffering thing that they have to do alone, like, you know, in a dark room with a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> it's like, it's or a kettlebell in a closet, like, <laughs> you know, like it's got to be painful and hard, but it does. Right. And like, look, I'm not saying it's easy. As you said, writing your book, it took longer. It tested your patience. It required vulnerability. It got you outside of your comfort zone, but it can also be fun. And, and, that's also why I encourage people again to, you know, it doesn't have like, yes, this is what I do. If you want to hire me, great. But whether it's working with friends or in a writing group, or, you know, there's different ways of doing this to make it more collaborative, fun. You don't have to do it all on your own. It doesn't have to be drudgery either. It can be so fun at the end of the day. Yeah. And there's, there's no right way to write. Mm, yeah. And yeah. there's no right way to play. Yeah. It's an individual approach right. and you're not alone, right? There's a lot of people that that just want to make it complicated when to your point about keeping things simple. There's no 
there's no one right way. And how Mm -hmm. excellent that we can explore it in a way that makes sense to us. It's, yeah, uh, it's such a gift to, to, to be able to do that. Yeah. I love it. This has been such a great conversation. Um, before we take off, I, I, as you know, I usually ask my guests a few quick questions in our lightning round. You down for that? Uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite way to play? Oh, running. Oh, and biking and snow angel making and anything. I love variety. I'd say variety is my favorite way to play and not just sticking to one thing. But if I need a quick fix, I love to run. <laughs> I love that your answer is variety. <laughs> I mean, that's like my answer to everything too. A little bit of everything is my ideal. Oh, it's the best. I remember my dad once saying to me, you know, you're really the jack of all trades, master of none. And I was crushed. I was like, oh, I just want to be like my sister is like a runner. And blah, blah. and then I was like, wait a minute. I think that's cool. I, I like, I, I want to be able to play all the things and do all the things as I age. That's what keeps me in the game. I mean, we could have a whole other conversation on that because I'm a big fan <laughs> also of um, of embracing uh, mediocrity and enough being good enough to be able to do something as opposed to this idea of all or nothing. Perfection. If you're not going to be a master, yeah. don't even try. And yeah. that, you know, people think they need to absolutely specialize or not get into it um, at all. And And that goes for writing, too. It's like. You don't, you don't have to be a master writer. If you've got good ideas, we can help you get the writing part done. So anyway, totally. <laughs> back to sorry, lightning Jack of all round. Trades. Yay, us. Yay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, what is something you'd like to try that you haven't tried before? Oh, yeah. I'm going to say... Oh gosh, there's so many things. Um, I'm going to say climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Very cool. Never tried that. Very I've trained cool. people for it, but I've never done it myself. Right. <laughs> nice. <gasps> Who is someone that inspires you? Oh, that my dad inspired me a lot. He was a real cheerleader for me. And he was my, he was my ultimate role model of play. He was a great human. I'm very lucky I had him as a dad. So Um, he inspired me to just, yeah, try it all. I love that about him. It's a great message. Great inspiration. Final question. If you were to write another book, what would it be called or what would it be about? Hmm. Well, I actually thought about this recently because my husband and I were talking about it um, with what he's gone through. And he said, yeah, the next book you need to write is should be called the pause book. Mm-hmm. You know, play and pause. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I get oh, it. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense at the time. And I was like, wait a minute. It kind of does because uh, when life throws us curveballs, we do have to pause and reassess where we're at and what's happening. And there are intentional ways you can put things in your life to help you cope with those pauses. Right. And um, there are, you know, 
there's tons of uh, resources and stuff out there about mindset and about how to handle when life gets tough. But as powerful as play is, pausing and being aware is a really powerful life skill. Mm-hmm. They can go hand in hand so well. Yeah. And they're on the buttons of your phone right beside each other, play and pause. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the books together would look kind of cool. I think. <laughs> I'll get back to you on when that's coming out though. <laughs> it's yeah, going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Six months, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Six months from now. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jan, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining me. And I really love talking about, you know, your journey about play and, and movement in general and about, you know, this whole conversation as well around branding and finding yourself in your your place and, and writing books and stuff and just having such a great, such a great mission. You know, I really appreciate your your goal and the clarity that you have around it and the joyful way that you share it. So thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me, Camille. I, this was such a pleasure and uh, I look forward to um, playing again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the storytelling with heart podcast. Want to turn your thoughts into leadership and your ideas into words that make a difference. Find me and discover more free resources at www.camilledeputter.com. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to my email newsletter, where I share stories, free tools, and other storytelling guidance. And never forget, your story matters.